when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, January 8th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 126. It is cold. That's it. That's all I got. It's cold. It's getting... At least it's improving a little bit. It is, actually. It was death cold last week. It was, like, deadly death cold. Did you see the New Hampshire thing? Uh, Negative 100. It felt like a negative 100 with with wind chill. That is... (laughs) Unbelievable. That's lower than the real temperature at, like, Antarctica, basically. Uh, You know, that was, like, up on a mountain or something. It's not just like you weren't just in a a town of New Hampshire. But, like, yeah, that's too cold. That's not that far north either. Like, New Hampshire is only about, and I'm sure this was maybe somewhere in the White Mountains. I'm going to get, this was less than 500 miles away. Let's just put it that way. Like, from us in New York. Like, that's I, not that far I up. I forget a lot is how north the northeast is. That, like, yeah. as someone from Jersey, which is, like, the, the southern part of the northeast, right? Like, you get to Delaware and you're kind of out of the northeast, you know? Well, and, yeah. And, or, like, that's kind of, like, the, the, the furthest south you can kind of go without being... At that point, you, may, you, you better start saying mid-Atlantic. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, like, I always, for whatever reason, growing up, I always thought of New Jersey as being like the like north south cent- middle of the country, and it's not. Like even <laughs> South Jersey is still very firmly. Ah, you know what? I'm looking at it now, and I think it's just our country is a weirder shape than than I sometimes it's think. It's like about. a crescent moon, honestly. Like on yeah. the east coast, and it, it's it's a hard thing to remember. But like yes. how far east the tip of Maine is, it's almost in the next time zone. That's how right, crazy it is. Right. You know? Well, and like it's a, it's a long country on the East Coast. Yeah. The bottom tip of Florida is very far south, and the very northern tip of Maine is very far north. So, like New Jersey, now I'm looking at like the East Coast is very clearly not in the center of that that eastern coast. It's like towards the center, but it's not at the center. But then you look at the West Coast, which is which is a much more compact coast, and like yeah, it is kind of right in the middle of of the the you know north south divide on that side. Welcome to Map Talk. Uh, Waypoint one twenty six. <laughs> we got latitudes, y'all. <laughs> we sure do. That's Rob Zachney, Fuck obviously also joining us. Patrick Klepik, Danielle Riendo, all of us surviving in the cold. I think Rob probably got it worst from that from that storm last week, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean it was pretty it was pretty bad. Uh, but I was just able to be sort of cozy in my apartment and. Uh, well, I saw you out there trekking with like a uh, like a Captain America suit going out there into the oh, woods. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I love a good wintry walk. Uh, that's just a that's WW. You know, it's I, a come on, please. I know, the, I know the lingo. Yeah, uh, and you got to get out there when the snow's fresh, because uh, in a few days it's going to be covered in like dog piss and oh, yeah. like you know tire mud and all that stuff. But ah, uh, uh, New England in the winter. Yeah, it's, it's glorious, <laughs> like Christmas in Connecticut. Uh, but I'll tell you something fun that uh, I did do during the during the blizzard. 
uh, was that night I watched The Thing for the first time. Oh, oh that wow. movie's great, and is that's appropriate thematically and and temperature wise. It was eerie because like the wind was still like kind of howling outside, yeah. and like it's got a pretty noisy like ambient soundtrack on the mm-hmm. movie anyway. And so, like, yeah, you were you were in it, man. It was it was atmospheric as all hell. That movie holds up. That movie is still yes. extremely. Good. I haven't seen it, it really since does. I, I feel it is a requirement that you now go watch the uh, the unbelievably awful prequel that they put out. Like, oh, uh, I don't know, like no. six years ago, maybe twenty eleven. No, it's bad. Oh, go watch it. Go watch it. I mean, it's the the premise is like smart and like their 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 attitude is saying we're not. They essentially said, like, how do we do a remake without making a remake of The Thing? And they said, oh, like, actually The Thing leaves open a window to that, which is that, you know, there's a a different base that went through all of this prior to the events of The Thing. And that's where it takes place. It takes place. It's a prequel to... That Norwegian base. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's... uh, I mean, the the CG is not the only thing that ruins it, but it it is a uh, really... Uh, big contributing factor. It also makes that that prequel uh, really interesting. Is that they shot it with practical effects? Huh. The movie uh, finished production, and then they looked at it and said, "Audiences aren't going to buy this. Go and add CG to it." So they use CG to remove the practical effects oh, that they spent a ton of money no. on oh, to shit. to try and add, do as like a, a nice you know homage to like a huge part of what helps the thing. Like lots of things make the thing still relevant and interesting and good in twenty seven in twenty twenty eighteen. Uh, but uh. The, the, the practical effects are, are part of that, and uh, yeah, they went and actually just removed that. It's it's bad for all sorts of other reasons, but uh, yeah, I feel like it, you are now required to go to go watch that film. Uh, you and, know, there's you, instead of that, if you need, if you want to survive and, and maybe have at least a little fun, you should you should either instead of it or afterwards, you should watch Prince of Darkness, which is the next of those oh Carpenter God, films. Yes, because yes. uh, Carpenter did the thing, and then Prince of Darkness, and then In the Mouth of Madness as like a trilogy. Um, as like not a trilogy, not a the apocalypse trilogy, trilogy. The yeah, thematic the, trilogy. yeah, thematic trilogy, the apocalypse trilogy, um, of which they get successively worse, I think. But I also really love all of them. So uh, the the uh, Prince of Darkness is about an academic who finds a canister that might have Satan in it. Um, so I think it actually holds up pretty well. To be honest, I also haven't seen this for probably like five years. I saw so. it maybe I don't know. Probably like three years ago. Again. I really enjoyed it, but and I think it actually holds up pretty well in the in the canon. There, it, it kind of God, it just the effects like some of the visuals really stick with you from that. Like in the right. way that the things visuals really stick with. Yeah, it you. turns out John Carpenter can shoot himself a fucking film. I guess yeah. he probably didn't shoot them, but he he, he uh, directed them. I don't know who the who the cinematographer was on those films. Good question. Good question. So welcome to our, <laughs> now we've moved on from weather, now we're talking about movies. Welcome to Waypoint Movie Cast. How's it going, everybody? Holy shit, I didn't know more, did you know Morricone did The Thing's soundtrack? Yeah. Yes. Wow, I did not know that. Holy shit. Okay, I'm going to get off Wikipedia and we can talk about video games. <laughs> What's That's everybody fair. been up to? What's everybody been, been doing? Been playing video games? You, you, you uh, playing video games? How many times can you rephrase that? Let me tell you guys about Legend of Galactic Heroes. Oh, fuck. All right. Oh, well, boy. Oh, no. boy. No, I'm not going to do that. Well, Rob, uh, you and I need I... to find a venue to talk about that show at some point. Yeah. Maybe not now. Maybe we I was going I was going to have a vacation full of video games, but instead it became an animation. <laughs> like, oh, was... I also did that. I also, I also watched a lot of anime over my break. Oh, okay. So. 
we're not we don't have to go here. We don't. We don't. I, I mean, I'm but all isn't for Legend it. of Galactic Heroes really fucking <laughs> it's good? Amazing! Holy shit! It is a tremendous anime that it's you can watch. It's such a Rob Zachney. It's such a Rob Zachney uh, uh, show that it's unbelievable. It's frankly. uncanny the degree <laughs> to which this like. I now know what it means to be seen. Like, <laughs> I understand because somebody, somebody like didn't just like see my demographic. They saw me, who I am, yeah. my soul, and were yeah. like, "We're gonna turn that." into a long-form anime series. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be about an anti-war military historian fighting space Prussians. Yep. In a time of galactic upheaval. And uh-huh. there's, like, you know, corrupted democracy and militarism and, and the rise of fascism. Yep. It's so fucking good. Dude, uh, I just, just can't Wait, how, how many episodes in are you at this point? Uh, I'm, like, 14. Okay, just wait. It's it's good. It's good. Ugh. Uh, we need to we'll figure out something I don't know that we'll do a full Waypoint 101 or whatever on it but you and I need to do a spoiler cast of some sort we'll talk yeah uh, you and Patrick are going to be in town this week and so I'm going to set aside at least we've set aside 20 minutes to to watch figure, a shit ton of Legend of Galactic Heroes alright <laughs> yep that's Patrick it. good news <laughs> Welcome Welcome to- this is all an elaborate trap this is this is why I'm going to New York. Yep. So the yep. thing is, I don't think you can really make 2018 plans until you understand what it is to make strategic plans. And uh, <laughs> Legend of Galactic Heroes is actually really good on that, dude. There's literally like two or three episodes that are about like how meetings go wrong yep. in Legend of Galactic Heroes, but it's like super good. It's super good. It's super good. I need to rewatch. I need to rewatch it. I need to. Is this like a recent anime or a no. long ago? So okay. it's it's a it's a mid eighties anime uh, based on a a novel series um, that is what Rob basically says it is right, which is like okay. there are two big galactic forces. One of them is like space Prussia, which is like a, a collection of of kind of landed gentry and and uh, aristocracy, and then the other side is like a a democratic republic or uh, republic. Uh, that is also kind of corrupt and broken and not serving the needs of the people that it represents well. Uh, and those two groups are kind of separated from each other by a, a like are connected to each other rather through a single star system, right? Like they all pass through a single star system. Okay. And so it's, most of the, the kind of battles happen on the, the edges um, and and it ends up not even being so much about like a big galactic war. This isn't like rebels versus the empire. It's it's so much more about internal politicking and like how do you move a state? Like how do you get a, a an entire sovereignty to align itself to the needs of the people or even just even if you are an autocrat, how do you even make something so large as a country move in your direction? Um, and it's it's really fascinating to see all that stuff happen. Um, it's also like it's also filled with queer coding. Danielle, you would actually Ooh. really love uh, some of it. Like the the uh, uh, lead the the lead two characters on the the Prussian side are like d- deeply deeply in love, even if they'll never say it. Uh, again, it's oh. 1980s anime, so like it is it is a lot of coding and not. I don't know. It's pretty explicit here. It's not it's not there is a scene. Okay. Where the two, it flashes back to when the two are kids, and they just fall into a fountain while playing, and they just oh. get so wet, yeah. and they laugh so much, yeah. and then there's like a lot of like it's a lot of like gesturing the towards the stars, and and one of the boys saying like I'll do anything to bring you to those, you know, it's oh. a lot of like it's very heartfelt, uh, and then the other side of it is just like deep academic nerddom of like 
the le- the lead character in the corrupt republic is like Rob said, a historian who like is lazy and hungry all the time, and like <laughs> he's a does... really fat cat. Yeah, he, like he's he wait, is he up... literally a cat? No, no, he's oh, like okay. a guy with with blue hair and okay. and a bad a bad uniform. Oh. Um, <laughs> the like... uniforms are super GI Joe. It's oh, oh yeah, good. yeah. The the like, bad give me guy. The space Prussians. The, the space Prussian uniforms are incredibly good comparatively. The the space American not not as good. Um, <laughs> But like he's, I just love him because because uh, Yang Wen Lee is like the, who's the the historian, ends up like stumbling forward in his career because he's like he understands tactics and and command, but also just like is so indifferent about it. Uh, it's it's beautiful. I really well, love he's it. he's literally somebody. He just did this to pay for college, right? Because that's another thing in the background of this is like the economy's broken. The right. only way to get an education is to pledge years of service to the state. Yep. So he just did this because he wanted to study history. But before you study history, you got to go fight a war for the country. So he's grudgingly doing that. And then continually, like, working his way up. Have you been introduced to Faison yet? Uh, Just a little bit. Mostly... So I just got a hint of what's at play with the... uh, there's this neutral third party between the two major empires that are super like sketchy and Lex Lutherish. Yep. Uh, and I just got a little hint of what they're up to. All right, good. We'll we'll table this conversation until we can be having it over coffee. Fifteen minutes into the podcast, <laughs> video, video games. games. Has anyone played any video games? I, pl- I played a game. What do you? What have you been playing, Daniel? I played a game. Uh, okay, so I've been playing Way of the Passive Fist right before the um, the break. Uh, the the folks at wherever it's household games actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, they sent us like a preview. Is it a sex thing or a grammar thing? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's Way a pa- it's passive. Fist? It's like a it's like a it's actually like a pacifism thing. It's actually yes, it's, it's, it's a joke. Very like, in line with our yeah. with our uh, okay. Legend of the Galactic Heroes talk. Yeah, it it kind of is actually. I mean, it's pacifist. Uh, pacifist and it is called passive fist that's how it's sort of spelled so it's a really cool game it is a brawler uh where you pretty much never do any preemptive attacking you are basically always a counter puncher uh what you do is you get attacked by it's a very uh, like sort of sega 16-bit style very very colorful giant sprites it's a little bit streets of rage ish but with this very important twist uh where basically enemies will swarm you will come up to you and they will be punching you. You have to either dodge or parry or, you know, kind of do a counterattack to fill up a meter to be able to either punch or basically you tap them and they kind of die. They go away. Uh, you're sort of like absorbing their energy, their, their negative energy, their attacking <laughs> energy. So you can kind of throw it right back at them. Really, really satisfying combat. Very much rhythm-based. Uh, you know, there's sort of all different types of characters. There's pretty good uh, enemy variety. They all come up to you. There's sort of like the big burly guy who does a slower, stronger right. punch. There are the, you know, sort of more lithe ninjas who do quick punches. There are the ninja ladies who throw various projectiles at you that you can also parry and throw back at them. Uh, and it's a really, really nice mix of those kinds of things. And also boss fights and, you know, kind of all the trappings of a brawler, but with that really really satisfying twist. So what's this look like mechanic? Yeah. Like, can you actually explain? All right, so you got a big yeah. guy coming at you. You yeah. got a chain. He's swinging the chain. He swings it at you. What do you do on the controller? Well, I think it's the X button. I'm playing it on you know PC, a PC build. It's like oh, the X okay. button will do your usual parry, and you're going to parry okay. all punches basically. Mm-hmm. If he goes for a grapple, you press the B button to dodge it. So he okay. kind of throws himself out of his balance, and so you know that takes some of his energy away. 
Are you uh, just reading like animations or is, is there other animations and sound? There's a really, really, really Ooh, wonderful sound design uh, to this game. There are like specific grunts and specific, you know, little sound cues that uh, they're about to either throw something or they're going to throw a punch or they're going to do, you know, a grappling move. It's very cohesive and the animation is very, very crisp, very gotcha. easy to read. I, I'm not like a brawler savant by any means. I don't even really play fighting games very much, but I was able to really kind of get ahead in this game, even with, uh, you know, just sort of reading the tells. And it very much is like rhythm based. You, you kind of get a sense of, okay, the big guy has this timing. It's punch, punch, and then grapple. You kind of get right. used to that after a time. And then of course they do palette swaps that the timing is a little bit different. Uh, so you're never getting bored. There's always kind of different things happening. And one other thing I love about this game, this is really cool and I appreciate it is that you can really tailor the difficulty. You can basically yeah. tailor things like enemy health. You can tailor things like how many checkpoints you get. Uh, and also, I think the sort of the size of the swarms of enemies. So you can decide, like, no, this is way too intense for me. Or you can say, yeah, ratchet that up. And right. it's all completely independent of each other. So you can actually say, like, enemy health is low, but the swarms are bigger. Huh. Or, you know, kind of whatever you want. Which is really, really nice. Uh, it helps with accessibility. I'm definitely playing on sort of like a... I think I've modified the enemy health to be a little lower, but I'm, I'm staying with the other kind of defaults, so I'm, I'm easing myself in a little bit. Uh, but it's cool. really satisfying. It's so satisfying. Uh, I tried to stream it the other day, but my setup was, was not up to it. And it is also, of course, like a preview build. It's not final. I think the game is, is coming a... out Q1 yeah, is, is all okay. I have at this point, but... Yeah, it's really rad. I know, Patrick, you played a little of it at a PAX this year, I think, maybe? Yeah, it's, the game has a sort of fascinating history. The developers are uh, in the fighting game community, um, or at least, you know, okay. a, a number of them. And uh, they wanted people to better understand, like, how the intricacies of, like, a, a match in a Street Fighter or a Tekken or, you know, what have you, in which I think most people, like, understandably on a base level understand the the one character hits the other character until there's no more health and then that's the end of the match. But um, <laughs> yeah. that, like, betrays a lot of the nuance of what's happening and, like, a lot of what's actually occurring in, like, a, a you know, a, a fighting game match is a lot of, like, blocking and parrying. Like, there's a lot more, um, you know, a, a lot of a fighting game match involves things that, uh, you know, the, the the actual attack is, like, a consequence of, like, other things that have been set up through yeah. defensive and passive maneuvers. And right. so... Spacing the, and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so they wanted to make a game... So, like, it's interesting because... I, I think I was chatting with the developer about this where, uh, like, uh, uh, sort of counters and things like that are, like, for a lot of people, a huge part of how they play, like, the Souls games. Um, right. I never... I never have learned how to properly... Like, I know how the mechanic works, and, like, every time I boot up a new Souls game, it's like, okay, I'm going to learn how to parry. And then uh, I <laughs> would find out... Once. Yeah, I would do it once, and then be like, oh, right, the animation is different for every single enemy, and that seems tough. So I'm, what if I just dodge and block instead? And so that's what I end up doing. And, and so part of their argument was that if you give people... you know, And the reason I do that is because as with a lot of things, like, the lowest common denominator of, like, getting through an encounter is going to be the one that, like, by and large players are going to rely on. So it was easier for me to block and dodge as opposed to parry, even if parrying was, like, the better, like, more useful uh, uh, way to, to engage with a, uh, an encounter. Um, I had something that was reliable, and so I just did that. And so they said, well, if we take away that, then we force players to start understanding the cues that right. you know that people are relying on when they are doing defensive or counter maneuvers and so that's why um other than your special i think the special in that game 
is actually an offensive attack, but you get that by building up a meter that comes through doing the dodging and the counters. And so uh, just the, like their whole reason for building that game, I think is kind of kind of interesting. I I, I only yeah. watched someone play it. I didn't have a chance to, to play it, I think, when I saw it at Pat. That's really cool to hear because it's very effective at doing that. It got me to read, you know, it actually got me to very much read the animation and read the sound, you know, the... I guess reading the sound isn't really the, the right term there, but actually yeah. kind of understanding how the sound connects and how that's a cue. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's not something I have really played much of. Like, I don't play, I haven't played fighting games, you know, seriously or intensely since, like, Mortal Kombat 2, you know, more than 20 years ago. So it's really, really cool to hear that that was actually their intention. It's it's doing its job, absolutely, especially even, even in this sort of earlier build. I am getting really into it. I mean, could... I could see it being something of a gateway drug if I continued on this path, you know, this this way of the passive fist. If I, <laughs> that you're on. If I kept on this, uh, this this. Ring. I, I almost just want to note that like it has a really neat style because yes, it, it is like big uh, sprites, uh, bright colors. It the setting looks like something like um, uh, there's another anime I'm looking for. Why can I not? Uh, fist of the North Star, which is oh. like post-apocalyptic, but like not just grungy post-apocalyptic, like more Mad Max um, uh, uh, Thunderdome um, than Fury Road. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Big hair, bright and colorful, a little psychedelic. Um, It's uh, so Sega. It is so early 90s Sega. And I love that about it, too. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Uh, And again, no no actual date on that, right? Just Yeah, just just Q1. That's what the Steam page is also saying here. So Awesome. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Um, I feel like the thing that I've been doing is been going backwards uh, instead of looking forwards because <laughs> oh, now it's no, okay. There's, there's no, well, there's nothing to look forward to. That's like spoiler. Um, there well, aren't that many video games one... out in 2018 yet. <laughs> there's stuff coming soon. Maybe Monster Hunter World. End of State February. Of, State of Decay Two. You just mentioned Patrick to me. May- that, uh, oh, don't you cannot you case the Hail Mary. It was rated by the ESRB, so maybe we'll get lucky and there's a secret early release date. Call me Carson Wentz, maybe. I'm throwing the bomb. Uh, and then getting injured and ruining my, my team's oh, yeah. Well, yeah. When the release uh, date comes out and it's the, the end of May, then that's that's the that's fuck. the equivalent there. Yeah, totally. Uh, but I went back. I beat Pyre, finally. Uh, Pyre was a game that was, like, on my list. I did that too last year, yeah. Yeah, like... Uh, <laughs> The the I was, know, that I wasn't like, a di- no I di- like I did that at the end of last year is like oh a okay sweep I thought you were like, saying that. I thought you were saying like oh no, yeah that yeah, was not Austin. shade no that okay. was that was I was like I played <laughs> six hours of that game didn't finish it and then right. did the same thing that you did was like hey I, I want to go see how that thing yeah wraps up. there was one of those things where like it didn't make my list and I immediately felt guilty because I knew I liked it and then I was like okay I'm gonna put time aside the day after my list comes out I'm gonna fucking power through this and that way I know whether or not my guilt is well placed it probably wouldn't have made my list but it's a damn good game and it's 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 the first super giant game that i've actually beaten um like i I actually despite thinking that like the craftsmanship was really great in bastion and liking the world and like enjoying the combat design and transistor i had bounced off those games pretty hard um and pyre i think maybe because you know it obviously has this this real-time action component that's a little bit like ice hockey on nes or nba jam um, with you know, kind of RPG stats, uh, it's really a visual novel, and the storytelling and the characters are just so good. Um, it would have been better as a visual novel. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, 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 there, I like. Mm, mm, I'm torn. I, mm, I, I liked I liked the 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 sports game for like the first six <clears throat> matches, and then found myself going. 
if I could just hit skip and just have the <laughs> yes, game do a coin I flip. S- I, I, I would have preferred a version of the game where it's like, hey, do you just not want to play this anymore? We're going to coin flip on whether you win or lose, and I'll just take I'll take the W, I'll take the L. Right. And like, and because I just found, I found that it's why I put it down. Like, it's why right, I right. didn't come back to the game is because I, I grew frustrated and, and tired of the actual um, sports game, whereas I found the world and the characters and everything else to be, like, utterly, like, there's a world where that game is on, like, my top ten list if it didn't have the uh, sports game. Because I don't want to say game part, because, like, the the other parts of it, like, are, like, the actual, like, choices you're making. Like, there there are mechanics and, like, decisions so you're making that are separated from the actual uh, the thing sort of... the thing is that one of the strongest bits is how it how it ties those two together danielle it yeah. sounded like you were about to object to this for, for this reason maybe uh, yeah i think i'm on that side of it I, you're, maybe your side of it here austin i i really liked the sports game part of it i actually did all the i still need to beat it i'm still in that group but i've put a lot of hours into it and i've done all these sort of extra things with the characters you know to yeah, kind the of sandra uh, sandra's yourself... challenges Exactly. Uh, to get the not only just the best loot, but also because I just I just want to be good at the game. I, so, yeah, I also I, think I have latent sports game uh, oh, sure. desires, and that's part <laughs> of what this is. That it kind of scratched a little bit of that. So I was, I liked it, uh, but you know, well, I'm not gonna, I'm that, not gonna diss on your opinion. I just without, it worked for me. Without getting too deep into spoilers, the thing that ties those two together so much is that you know there is without getting again I'm doing my best not to to get specifics here <laughs> but you eventually lose characters right and you have to release some personnel from their contracts yes. there we go thank you rob mm-hmm. uh and deciding who i wanted to release from their contracts was tough because often the person who narratively it made the most sense to to release uh, was not with someone who I didn't want to get rid of because they'd become a backbone of my play. Um, uh, and, and, and by the end, like I'd built a team of people who were like, yeah, you, you should stay on this team. You should stay on this team through the end uh, of, of characters. And most of those choices were about story. Were about like, okay, I think based on the way this story is going, based on the branches, based on like who could end up where, because that's like a lot of the, that game is who winds up uh, kind of in in one of two places. Um, part of that, a big part of that decision making was about like, okay, I think you're cool here with me, versus going off to this other place. And some of them though were like, I feel like shit. I feel like someone who's keeping a player in a bad contract, but I can't imagine playing without you because you're so fast and agile and you're such a key part of my offense um so you just went like full tom thibodeau where you're just like (laughs) no baby i'm i'm gonna ride my war horses by the end (laughs) by the end i made the right choices i think with deep cut deep cut there rob yeah for like the the overlap there i I know what that means i know how uh, tom thibodeau runs a a team but okay i like it i like it i just want to acknowledge it welcome to to know that someone else out there gets it so so yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was good overall. I think it wraps up super nicely. It it Danielle, I really think you should finish it. I really think you yeah. love how it wraps I up. I mean it made because, my list. It it, right, it certainly right. was on my list. I loved this game. I just you know, still need to see the ending there. But I, I the, plan on it. I do yeah. plan on it. The 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 way it wraps up with all of the characters, player characters and major NPCs, like everybody gets their own like little little narrative uh, uh well they they do something very this isn't a spoiler to say like at the end of the game like there's this moment where 
like essentially like a, a screen comes up yes. and there's a there's a, a graphic you know for each of the characters it's almost like a class picture or something yeah. it's like oh, here's everybody here's everybody it's literally it, it's minor characters it's major characters it's, it's yes. i think pretty much anyone you could have encountered in in the game uh and then it gives you like a post. I don't know. For... Is Falcon Ron there? I don't think Falcon Ron is there. <laughs> but otherwise, I think it's literally everybody. And I, I, man, I that was one of my favorite bits in the game that I wish more games. I mean, I obviously like the storytelling aspects and the way they find ways to integrate like world building is one of yes. like the strongest aspects of Pyre. Like, like I hope, I hope. Like, way more games just straight up rip off that little bit they do with highlighted text to do world yeah. building. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. That should just be something that we all look back and go, ha, that seems very obvious in retrospect. And then just take it. Like, do not feel bad that Pyre did it first. <laughs> it's just And good. more games should just do it. Um, but I like that, that bit at the end where um, you, you got a sense of, like, where each character went. It was just a really nice way of providing closure especially for doesn't mean that you actually got like closure closure like it you know it's not like there was a period on on like where everyone ended up but at least gave you a sense of of kind of uh, where things stood when when the credits rolled yeah totally and like uh, that was one of those things that that really spoke to how the structure of that game was way more than just it's like it's unfair to even say branching like it is it is a systemically driven narrative in a way that I was really surprised to see. Like, I, I very much expected it to be a more traditional visual novel with key branches and routes, but, like, a it's lot of that... It's pretty messy. Yeah, it's a messy game, because... So, basically, like, again, without getting into specific story spoilers, you eventually get to decide which teams you're going to go up against, and each team has, like, a major NPC on it who is a rival to a member of your team, and so, depending on the outcome of those fights, like, you can end up putting people... You can end up kind of um, resolving drama between two characters, but even that doesn't set the the isn't that even that isn't the only um, condition for what their ending ends up being. It's kind of like a collection of variables about how you beat them, about whether or not they were able to win the big final rights uh, in any given season of play, basically, and, and you know whether or not you where those characters ended up being, or was that character with uh, was their rival with them in the end, you know, in the same physical location, had they squashed their beef. Uh, did you do the thing maybe where you proved to the cultist that the old god that she worships uh, isn't meaningless and, and empty? I, I don't know. If you did that, maybe her ending ends up much different. Uh, it's really fucking cool, and, and I'm really glad that I made the time for it. Um, the only other thing that I've been doing is, like, I'm not a DLC person, um, but I finally started going back to the Breath of the Wild DLC. Uh, I got that motorcycle last night. Um, yeah, I saw that, your video clips. That that like I'm not gonna dude, go back and play that yeah. DLC, but I am enjoying it vicariously through your <laughs> clips. It's real fucking cool to have a motorcycle. Uh, I yeah. spent I spent seriously 15 minutes just in that area in front of the castle where all of the guardians are, just like driving between them and dodging their shots and making them shoot each other, and that just felt good. I it was just like I have so much mobility now. It makes me wish I had more of that game to do on my main save still. Um, like I have a handful of side quests left at this point and I'm going to try to do them now that I have this motorcycle, but like, it makes me wish I still had a huge chunk of that game to do. Mm. And who knows, maybe there will be a third DLC announced at this big Nintendo event. Uh, there, later yeah, there, there were some people, I can't remember what the, there was some speculation based on certain parts of that DLC that they seem to have left the door open and they would be smart to go back and do some sort of 
big content yes. add-on for like that's a game that they could drop one thing a year until that next Zelda. Hundred percent. I mean, they could do the Destiny in my, model. In my in my hope, in my, like my dream of dreams, they would be they would do something where they actually like you know because that game's you know three four years off. Like who knows yeah. how how five yeah five seriously. maybe. I mean, they said they're building it based on this, so you would think yeah. that maybe they would be able to do it a little faster. It's like but whatever the case, but like if that's a game where they could like do a content drop like once a year and then eventually start seeding like whatever that second game is like in that DLC like would be. A That'd really cool sick. way to like yeah. kind of like carry between uh, those two. Yeah, I've been playing the Horizon. On the flip side, I've been playing the game you actively hate, Horizon. <laughs> I don't hate Horizon. <laughs> I, don't I don't. I think it's a totally fine game. I know. I think I if know, that game, I know. you know what? I, here's the thing that I think about Horizon a lot. You know if what? That game had come out a year before. I would probably be singing it, its praises to high. I have been. I have this. I have this uh, uh, headline that is. Uh, I have a. Uh, uh, a thing on my wall, a whiteboard, where I write the stories that I'm working on each week to kind of like just kind of sketch out what I'm, yeah. what I'm doing for the next five days. And often it'll be like I'll like do a temp headline when I'm trying to figure out the angle for a story. And the one I've written down as I've been playing through this, uh, the Frozen Wilds DLC for Horizon is <laughs> something along the lines of like, Horizon got screwed by Breath of the Wild. Right. Um, right. Which is basically is, is just to say that like Horizon came out uh, – that game got a lot of its due. Like, a lot of people liked that game, talked about how much they liked that game. Yep. But, like, Zelda came out in really close proximity and really kind of gut-punched, like, I think a lot of sort of, the, uh, for lack of a better term, the discourse around Horizon and some of the amazing things that it did accomplish and do. Because Breath of the Wild, while a very different t- type of game, if you just kind of squint your eyes, like, they look very similar and come at um, from, from a similar foundation. Um but uh, yeah, because I, I, I'm the DLC is just kind of okay. But just being in that world and seeing a lot of things that they accomplished in Horizon, uh, it's a game that I think didn't get nearly enough of a look because Zelda ended up being as good and as surprising as it was. Which just again speaks to like what a fucking wild year 2017 uh, was. But uh, that DLC is 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 pretty good. I've enjoyed the fact that I've been able to revisit Horizon. Um, but it is. Uh, case study and something that I wrote about last year about Destiny when um, was that 2016 or was it 20, was that 2017 or 2016 when that expansion the last expansion came out for the original oh Rise of Iron uh, yeah that was 2016 okay and I, I wrote a piece that was basically along the lines of uh, you know I had taken a year off you know I would played uh, um, fuck I'm forgetting all the expansions for Destiny The Taken King yeah, I played The Taken King, and then it was about a year in between that and Rise of Iron, um, and it was just, Destiny does a poor job of onboarding you uh, back into that world if you are, like, jumping straight into a character, um, and I think a lot of games do this poorly, um, and Horizon does it especially poorly, um, because it doesn't just add a new area onto the game. Um, it, it, it's set before the final mission that uh, closes out uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, um, and then adds a new sort of like wintry area off in the upper right-hand corner. Um, but it's also a high-level area. Um, and so I was a f- almost a full year away from playing this game, a game that has a ton of like intricate combat mechanics. Like you can pull up a weapon wheel in which you have, you know, like 15 different things you can be doing between traps and bombs and multiple different kinds of like uh, bows and arrows you can be pulling out. 
Uh, there's a lot going on in the combat, and the first combat encounter you have in the Frozen Wilds is with a brand new enormous enemy type who is just like, would have been difficult if you had been just put 30 hours into the game and knew exactly what you were doing. And the first thing the Frozen Wilds says is like, "Hey, like, why don't you get your ass kicked for 45 minutes?" And when you die, what the game should have done is say, "Hey, kind of seems like you're dying a lot, and you just booted this up after a year, like." You want, like, a refresher course. I'm like, hey, you know what? A- Aloy needs to go, like, meditate for an hour. And, like, <laughs> she's going to have a dream about her the, her the training she did at the beginning of the game. Um, and actually, the lead quest designer uh, on Horizon tweeted at me when I uh, shared this this criticism and just kind of asked, like, what I would have liked. And I said that essentially was my dream scenario. It was, like, the game detects that it's been X amount of time since you've played it. Um uh, or it should just be part of, like, DLC that comes, like, six to nine months afterwards where there are going to be a lot of people that are coming back to a thing that they haven't been with to for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he seemed to indicate the, the, the misstep, uh, they made, or the choice they made, rather. I, I consider it a slight misstep. I don't know how, how they feel about it. Was they, they developed the DLC under more of the idea that someone is dropping into this complete world. And so if you were to do that, Frozen Wilds doesn't seem bizarre at all. You would just kind of roll into that right. as just another world that you need to be at a high-end uh, level count in order to, to properly engage with. Whereas I think for, But I think for a lot of people, including myself, it was like, hey, I put that game down and played other games. Now I'm coming for back. For 11 months. Like, yeah, that 11 game months. Or 10 months or whatever. Like, that's a long time. Yeah, and so I just wish the game had, uh, you know, other people were like, well, you could have just started a, a new save and played the tutorial again. I was like, uh, yes, of course I could have done that, but there are probably more elegant ways when uh, a, a, a team is, is knowingly releasing a DLC right. that is going to be high-level play. Like, it's not just, like, a regular area. It's an area where it's meant to challenge and take advantage of the fact that you have dozens of hours of ingrained skills, um, and I just didn't have those. So it took me about, like, 90 minutes to kind of kind of look up some YouTube videos and, like, figure out where I was at. And now I'm back in the, in the kind of, like, the thrust of it, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. But uh, it is one of those things that I wish games would. Uh, if we're going to be games as a service, it's like, well, that's, that's one of those services that, <laughs> that I could have used was just, I, I don't know what the buttons do uh, right. on this controller. Right. Totally. Well, yeah, that's one of the things is, like, games as a service almost assumes the opposite, which is, like, you're just going to play this game. You're right. going to play The Division until you're dead. And that's it. Like, I mean, like, uh, it's wild because, like, the division, the same thing, the same thing did just happen with the division, which is the division just dropped a massive DLC uh, update that added like a whole new chunk of the of the map. Uh, you know, sixteen months after that game came out or something, right? Like, I, I fucking streamed that game on Giant Bomb when it came out, and it just got a massive uh, update. So. And I thought, like, oh, man, maybe I could go back in. Like, no, I can't. I don't remember anything about that game. I don't know what my build is. I don't know how to play that. Like, it's a shooter, but also it's, it's you know, uh, again, there's character builds. There's a whole gear situation. It, it's like a destiny. Jumping back on, the, on board those things can be so, so, so difficult. Um, the fact that I'm able to do it with Zelda, I think, is is kind of telling about the simplicity of, of that game comparatively, right? Like, mm-hmm. I have a sword. It does 60 damage. Like, that's kind of it. Like, I... But even then, I guess, there were definitely some things. That, there's a new dungeon as part of the, the new DLC. Uh, Danielle, I, if you do this DLC, or, or I want you to do this DLC, just so yeah. you can play this this last new dungeon. I can't wait, um, to be honest, to, to dive I, I, into that. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't think it'll change the opinion of people who, like, miss the old dungeons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still one of these new dungeons that's about, like... 
about understanding. Kind of one big puzzle. A little yeah, bit, or yeah, well, this is definitely four puzzles. Uh, oh, it's kind gotcha, of like gotcha. okay. it's kind of like four big puzzles. It's neat. It's neat. Um, but the I did the same thing I always fucking do, which is I forget that I can freeze water. <laughs> and I stared at a puzzle for seriously thirty minutes, going like, I don't know what the fuck to do here. I'm gonna throw bombs at things. I'm gonna try to use my <laughs> magnetism. I'll stasis stuff. And then finally, I was like, Oh mother! Like yeah, why is One this of your flooded? <laughs> yeah, it's flooded, so I can freeze a thing. And it all came together after that, uh, and it was really cool. Um, and the big the big boss fight at the end is also really good. Don't oh, sleep nice. on that Zelda DLC. Is what I'll say. So, oh, Gotta add uh, another fifty one. hours the, to that game. Yeah, you know? seriously. seriously. <laughs> when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. God. Rob, you, you, have you been playing things New World? Uh, How's yeah, Dead I mean, Space Zero going? Oh, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> man, if there was a Dead Space prequel out right now, hell yeah. <laughs> that would actually be really good. Yeah, that would be the way to do it. Except then you it's like a video game that the... just cryptically like replaced all the animation with practical effects. It's just like little like MPEG. <laughs> it's like, just like little video clips of monsters moving around. God, that would be so fucking weird and cool if there was a like a third-person survival horror game that did have practical effects that were scanned in, like almost stop motion, that would be really good. If you did like a claymation type, th- yeah, like you, yeah. Could, you could achieve like a similar effect. Give, give it to oh, me. What was that? What was that 2D? Um, not the, was, was it Swapper? Was Swapper the one that had an almost Yeah, like- Swapper was like, yeah, essentially used uh, like a real life objects to uh, make its environment. People should play the Swapper. People should play the Swapper. Unbelievably good game. Yeah. Oh, Swapper was good. Swapper's real good. All right. Sorry, Rob. What, what, what have you been playing? Uh, so I am just starting down uh, the road to becoming a full-fledged member of the Yakuza. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. What? I fired up Yakuza 0. You're living your best life, Rob. I mean, don't let anyone <laughs> tell you otherwise. Thank you for oh. watching anime and joining the Yakuza. <laughs> I'm sad Danica's not what here. What happened this. on your vacation, Rob? <laughs> yeah, were you hanging out with Danica the whole time? Is uh, this Danica? I mean, I think it was, you know, once I started following her all, it was pretty much game over, right? <laughs> like, I, I was like, you know, I thought it was anime enough, but mm, could be more anime. Uh, no, but I, I think, you know, what, what Danica talked about on the show the last time she was here got me really curious about, like, Yakuza as sort of a gangster life simulator uh, mm-hmm. in some ways. And so I, I fired it up, and it is just like catnip uh, to me. Like, there is nothing about this setup that I don't love. I love that it's this uh, period piece during the 80s boom in Japan, right? And, like, the awareness of how rapidly the economy and the culture has changed uh, sort of in response to each other sort of permeates a lot of the day-to-day grind of these characters and their conversations uh, in a way I find really, really cool. Um, the other thing I love about it is it just okay so where a lot of mafia games uh, fall down we'll use the mafia series as an example 
uh, is that what we love about mob movies is often either the strategizing, the sort of Michael Corleone, you know, doing the galaxy brain thing where he sees all the pieces, uh, or it's the bullshit, right? It's the Goodfellas. It's not having to wait in line at the Copa. Uh, you know, it's just hanging out with your buddies and occasionally kicking the shit out of somebody with impunity because that's kind of the day job. Uh, that, that's what you get to do as as a member of as, as a member in good standing of the uh, of the mafia, and the reason a game like Mafia Three ends up working is because it realizes that that kind of game uh, doesn't service the the mob fantasy uh, very well or can't sustain it very long, and so Lincoln Clay works because he's an American commando coming out of nowhere and he's treating this as a guerrilla war. Like he comes right. in and just like is just detonates like a bomb. Right, like he just goes through and murders everybody, and there is no time to like sort of live the mob mob life because that's not what that character's motivated by. He doesn't give a shit. He just wants to you know get revenge and cross people off his list. Yakuza wants you to immerse yourself in the shoes of a low level gangster, mm-hmm. and like wants you to like understand that there's an entire like. A variety of different like social sides to this. Like the, there, there's an aspect of being a good mobster means uh, build, <laughs> building healthy friendships. Uh, it means sort of like reading social cues. It also means being kind of a jack of all trades. Uh, and I love how quickly this game sort of sets that up and immerses you in it. And it sort of had me from the moment that uh, you know your friend starts explaining. Uh, why you need to dress to impress your bosses a little bit, yeah. right? Like, you know, that you're not just dressing for yourself. It's, you have to, like, if you want, if you're serious about this, if you want to advance in the mafia, you have to make some sort of impression. You can't just be what your main character, Akiryu, is doing, where he's just like, I just want to be a goon, and that's right. it. And I'm going to ignore everything else. I'm just going to be the best, best goon I can be, and eventually <laughs> I'll get rewarded. Right, you need, you need to have, like, it's almost like being a really good NFL player, where, like, yeah, you could. If you're on defense, you could play. You could try to play the position that's just about finding the ball carrier and tackling the ball carrier. But the the real standout players have a field awareness and understand how a play develops and put themselves in the right place at the right time, not just to get the tackle after the, the catch, but like to intercept the ball. And everyone around Kiryu knows how to intercept the ball, and often is like he's the one who who is the one throwing the interception or yeah. is the targeted receiver, and someone else picks it off. Uh, it's really fucking good. Or or is manipulated so that there's a pass interference call. Like, there are lots of ways to twist that metaphor, but is always the one who's being fucked over at the beginning of that game. Uh, it's really good. Um, I, I That was a game that I watched people play through, and I played through, like, the opening bits of it, and I'm kind of mad at myself for not giving it the time to, to play through it all the way through uh, myself. But... I think I'm just going to remedy that by playing through all of six when it comes out this year here um, and, and just try to like hop back on board the train that way. Um, those games are long, but they're really good. Yeah. yeah it definitely that, feels like yes. It's like, yeah, it's like a 40 to 50 hour. It's, you know, it's not like, Oh, you're playing a, an yes. action game and you're going to be out of there in 15 to 20 hours. Like, nah, I mean, you probably could, if you just maybe streamline the, you know, mainline the story, but like that would, it seems to, you know, the 10 hours I spent with, yeah, because zero that would seem to go against the spirit of the game. Like part of it is yeah, kind of getting immersed yourself. and lost in the yes, world. Like I think totally. uh, someone at Kotaku wrote a piece uh, recently saying that as much time as they had spent in those games or Yakuza Zero, that they didn't uh, spend any time with the uh, 
Really, what's the, uh, the the side business you can get into? The, the, um, the real estate or the, yeah, the hostess yeah, stuff. The, the hostess like stuff. the, the hostess <laughs> thing is like yes, yes, something yes. you can spend on your own so dozens of hours uh, in, and um, that it was a like a supremely satisfying experience to go back and be part of that. So it's like a game that you could, yes, like most people probably spend forty or fifty hours in, but it seems like you could easily spend double that if you wanted to really uh, get into it. Um, we should go into the question bucket briefly, but before that, I just want to shout out one more game very, very, very quickly, which is called Shadow Hand. Um, Shadow Hand, I've only played it for like 90 minutes or something. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit longer than that now, uh, because I played it on the bus ride home from Jersey and then, and then have been kind of playing it here or there in bed at night. Um, do you, did anyone here play the Regency Solitaire games, uh, game, uh, that came out in like... I remember, like, Lee Alexander was really big on it back in 2015. Um, it's like a visual novel meets a solitaire game. Um, that's what huh. Regency Solitaire was. Uh, Shadowhand is, like, a, a visual novel about a, like, um, you know, an 18th century uh, uh, heiress, you know, in the, the British aristocracy, who also becomes, like, a bandit vigilante. Uh, and it is a solitaire-driven game. Uh, kind of like puzzle combat game in the puzzle quest uh, vein hmm. um, in which you and uh, so there's there's kind of stages where you're just trying to clear the board quickly um, and you find hidden cards like oh this is a key that unlocks this other different stack of cards uh, and then in that stack you can find items and those go into your inventory so that later two stages down the road when you get into a duel maybe you had found uh, so like an explosive bottle of, of, of alcohol that you can throw and do damage or something like that um, it's all driven by the shared space in those duels where everyone has like the same field of cards in front of you and you're just playing solitaire, right? Like you have a six. And so you're looking for either a seven or a five on the board to connect to. Um, and, and you end up having stats. Like there, there are stats for things like, uh, like I'm raising a stat now that, that makes it more likely that the next card I draw from the top of the deck is like finessed into being one that definitely has a connection on the board. Uh, you can, you know, just increase stats that, that do, you know, get new equipment to help you do better damage or to build, to have like a, a, a build for like, oh, I want to stunlock my opponent or I want to be really hard to hit. And so I'm going to get lots of stuff that increases my, my defense or raises my, my, like how much armor I have. Uh, it's like way more complex than you might think. And it's just one of those things that, that really can dr drag you in. I'm just, like, uh, one more puzzle. Let me just do one more little stage here. Um, it's called Shadow Hand. It is, I want to say it's 15 bucks. It is, it's 15 bucks. Hmm. Uh, definitely worth checking out. It's on PC. It's one of those things that was like, if it was on iOS, it would be so, 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 so easy to recommend. It's only on PC. Um, but I've really enjoyed my time with it. So don't nice. sleep on Shadow Hand. Uh, let's dip into the question bucket super quick. Um, if you have questions, you can send them to gaming at vice.com. Use the subject question. That way, when I click on this little label I have that says podcast questions, it will show up. Uh, this one comes in from Nick from Petaluma, uh, who says, There's been a lot of interesting discussion about the ways in which gaming YouTubers and games publications are arguably diametrically opposed. And I'm curious how you feel video essayists fit in this discussion. A big part of this conversation lies in gamer rant channels manufacturing things to be mad at because being mad means more money at the end of the day, and games journalists uh, are an easy target for them, especially post-Gamergate. However, there's a growing subculture on YouTube of creators who make researched, well-produced, scripted, long-form pieces about games that seem to be, uh, at the very least, partially informed 
by many games publications. As someone who follows the work of many games writers, sites, and video essayists, and as someone independently making videos about games myself, I wonder why I haven't heard more discussions of these types of creators in conversation about YouTube games culture. I feel like I feel that, especially as video becomes a platform games journalists slash critique sites grow intimately familiar with, there will be less and less of a gap between their work and the work of the independent video creators I've mentioned. What are your thoughts on this? Where do video essays fit in games culture? Is there potential for more of an intersection between them and your own work? Are there any video essayists in particular that you are fans of? Thanks, Nick. Uh, people have I, thoughts here. I know, I Danielle, you're a big fan one. of... Yeah, totally. <laughs> Pretty easily. Uh, I really like uh, Campster, so that's Errant Signal yeah. and uh, Joseph Anderson. I don't always agree with them. I actually pretty vehemently uh, disagreed with some of Campster's thoughts on Prey, in fact. <laughs> uh, but I think he had some really good points. Uh, but yeah, it, I can always count on them to be thoughtful and thorough uh, about their thoughts on a game. And I think they do a really, really good job of just sort of laying out not just impressions, but actually doing some pretty um, sort of full-throated criticism. Of a lot of games i mean joseph anderson's videos are often like two hours long and i yeah. i sit down and like that's that's like four lunches for me i yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, I basically like that's what i enjoy doing if i if i actually have a break i like to uh kind of put that on when i'm doing paperwork or whatever uh and really really listen to a lot of the arguments and he also puts out um the, the scripts as a piece so you can right. actually go and read them uh which is really that's a huge well. huge huge accessibility thing yes. and i like yes. not only not only for those who are here you know hearing challenged or, or visually impaired but like those who just want to work through an argument like having yeah. it in text not having it in text is, has been like a huge problem for me trying to get into um youtube kind of criticism uh because you know, as a writer, the thing I like to do is like zero in on what the argument is and how it is unfolded slowly and what some of like the rhetorical like keystones are. And having that in text format helps me so much as a as a writer and a thinker. Yeah. Um, it's I also would say, useful like, to quote. <laughs> yeah, Frankly, totally, there, there are times totally, where totally. I love a piece of the argument or I want to you know highlight you a piece of the argument. Don't want to rewrite the whole piece. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like it'll be I, like, I'll, I'll link the video at the right place, but also it's really <laughs> helpful to actually have to just see that chunk words. of text. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, like, part of my issue with the scene is a lack of brevity. Um, sure. I think that the I think like the the campster, um, uh, Chris Franklin, Aaron Signal, whatever whatever we want to call him. Uh, his video length is actually like pretty good. In, it's like, like twelve uh, to fifteen minutes usually. Yeah, yeah. Some of them go up to like twenty thirty. Um, mm. But like, but like that's about as far as I want a, a a piece of criticism to to be, or that fits in fits into my life anyway. Um, and I, I can imagine the two hour piece that I would enjoy. But anytime I've tried to to dig into one of those those pieces, they feel comprehensive um, <laughs> sure. in a way that. I don't think benefits an argument. Um, it's really hard to sustain an argument for, uh, you know, about a game or a central thesis for that long, uh, and instead it ends up feeling like, okay, what else can I talk about and 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 um, kind of lecture on? And at that point, what I would even rather is broken up fifteen minute videos, like do a series on yeah. <laughs> why on Bloodborne, do do seven 15 minute videos on Bloodborne, or even even you know five 20 minute videos on Bloodborne or something. Um, but like trying to sustain a through line for two hours is really fucking hard and the argument ends up weaker for it, not stronger. And I, I tell I tell that to writers too. Like we definitely have writers 
um, I've been that writer, as everyone knows. I've been the, I want to write 4,000 <laughs> words about this writer. The 2,000-word argument <clears throat> is stronger because you cut off the, the weakest limbs. Um, and often those, those can go and inform another different piece. Uh, the, the, at the same time, like, these worlds are definitely converging, and so I definitely think it's a thing of, like, we'll see if the site, if sites like ours and, and sites like, you know, Kotaku, Tim Rogers runs 17-minute <laughs> videos on, on Final Fantasy VII translation now. You know, like, that's not a thing I think anyone imagined would we've be happening in five years ago. To some degree. We've done a few yeah. sort of shorter uh, bits yeah, of news, and that is, of what, course, something 50 I... episodes of Guide to Games at Guide this to point, Games, right? yeah. And also just our, our sort of our reads. We've done a couple yeah. of those that, yeah. you know, four or five minutes, uh, yeah, that version totally, of these. totally, totally. So. Uh, it's an overlap that I'd like to see continue for sure. Yeah. I like to explore that space. It's it's time and it's time intensive, and the media industry leans towards short form in a way that actually bugs me the other direction, which is like, yeah. how do I say anything in two minutes? Um, it's really hard to say something really meaningful in two minutes to to do real criticism, uh, and I'd love to see a space for that that kind of middle area of length. Rob and Patrick, do you guys have uh, any any takeaways here? Uh, like not a ton. I think when I tend to consume this sort of criticism, it tends to be about uh, like film and TV uh, for the most part, because like for whatever reason, that's where I find a lot of interesting. Uh, like as film critics have like sort of been losing <laughs> losing their uh, print homes right. uh, over right. the years, I've started getting that fix from uh, you know various YouTube uh, you know series. Every frame of painting is like obviously the you know example yeah. of our excellence, but. Uh, I am also occasionally like I'm known to throw on an H Palmer guy video and just sure. like yeah let's just watch somebody just tear Stephen Moffat a new one for uh, eight <laughs> yeah. hours I'm into that <laughs> yeah I definitely feel like the I think the the YouTube kind of film criticism space is really uh, worth looking at from an academic perspective just of like huh what could this be like in games? And, like, the range... I mean, the range is already kind of in games. The thing that's frustrating is that it seems like it's so much more sustainable to be a, a ranting, angry person than to be someone who actually has, like, a thesis-driven argument about what work does, separate from whether or not it's worth your money. Um, and the film space in YouTube is, like, very much similar uh, with with some of the biggest uh, YouTube channels there being just like very nitpicky, very much about like oh how are we gonna how are we gonna cut this thing down? And I'm fine with c- cutting things down, but it's just like but the cinema so, sins model is like fucking oh cool. my oh. fucking god! Yeah. It's like yeah, I wasn't gonna name names, but yes, the cinema <laughs> sins model is fucking poison. Um, and that bringing that model to gaming is just like so demoralizing because I know it'll do well because everyone wants to fucking hate on stuff and it's so much easier to nitpick than it's so much easier to say this game is bad because of this plot hole than it is to say like to engage with an argument the game makes or to, to engage with uh, a, a, a you know a context the game fails to, to think about or something well, are, you, are you just telling people what they want to hear or yeah. are you trying to like make an like are you trying to inform them on something? that they, yeah. you know, in a way they hadn't thought of. And I think that's, like, often the, the – like, there is usefulness in just reading and listening to something that makes you 
hear what you want to hear. Like, I mean, I think we all engage with, with things like that from, from time to time yep. that is just a, you know, a, a pick me up or, or reinforces. Totally. Or it's nice to hear something that like someone has the same point as me. And like, that's, that's cool. But like, I, yeah, I think the big difference between, uh, uh, you know, like I think was part, what defines criticism is a way of engaging with the work that goes beyond just, uh, you know, being an echo chamber for, uh, which I think is a lot of what people are looking at, at the, the kind of things, the kind of ranty uh, sort of material that does really well on, on places like YouTube um, uh, because that's that's easier. That said, there's a skill to it. There's a reason some people yeah, are course. better at it than yep, others. Totally. Um, it's just not – it's not something that I, I – have, I have a hard enough time uh, keeping up or at least even being aware of the stuff that is good out there as opposed to – uh, like going down down that rabbit hole. I just I I prefer written stuff because it's easier for me to to like fit into like the time that I have. Like video just runs counter to right. the moments that I'm going to have to even engage with it. Like uh, you know I re- I use things like Pocket. You know you know uh, uh, software that lets you like bookmark you know videos. So it makes it easier for me to pull that stuff up. But it is still a million times easier for me yeah. to like read 600 words into a 2000 word essay and come back to that than it is for me to watch six minutes of a 20 minute video and come back to that. Like that is, that is part of just like what I is ingrained in me. I realize part of that is like, you know, the old man, Patrick, just like, that's just the way I've done things. But it is also like a, like a, just a strict reality of, uh, you know, if I'm at a long light, I can pull up yes. like you know an article to to read because I know I'm going to be sitting waiting for this train to go past for five minutes. Um, that's just a lot more difficult to pull off from a pragmatic standpoint with a video. And that's so, such a huge part. I, I actually think a lot about how moving into the position I'm in now, like so much of my job is juggling is like, okay, I'm going to work on this problem for 10 minutes and I'm going to work on this other problem for seven minutes. Then I'll be in a 30 minute meeting and then I'll be in a, a you know, then I'm going to grab lunch and that lunch is going to be, is going to be quick. And I'll, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll be, you know, editing a story while I'm eating or something. Right. And so what ends up happening is I only end up having the moments to consume criticism or like, it's it's the weekend and like, I'm working with an editor on a weekend thing, but while she is, you know, doing a, uh, a you know a, a revision on something, I'll have five minutes to start reading a thing, and so like I'll sneak in that five minute reading time, or I'll have a meeting in seven minutes, so I'll start reading that thing, or I'm on a commute, and like on a commute, I'm not gonna watch a video. Like I'm not the person who watches twenty minute videos on my phone. My phone battery dies way too quick for that, I guess. Uh, like I just it's never been something I've ever enjoy doing uh and so yeah I'm, I'm very much the like phone in hand quickly reading through a thing taking notes you know um uh versus the like i can sit down and just consume a two hour long video like this is why i watched a lot of i watched i caught up on a lot of gundam over the the break <laughs> was like oh wow i actually have three days off in a row i'm gonna let myself i also got sick so it was like i'm gonna be in bed I'm too tired to be working. I'm like too sick to be working, even though I, I have the day off anyway and I shouldn't be working anyway. Uh, I'm going to make myself just watch this thing that only has subtitles and will be the only thing that's of attention, um, which is like such a rare, a rare time for me to be able to do that. And it's like, oh, I also can read this, this thing while I'm here, you know, versus a lot of times it's really hard for me to, to put aside 20 minutes even to, to watch a campster video. I'm so far back on my YouTube subscriptions because of it. Um, Complain, complain, complain. This is this is welcome to Waypoint Radio. We talk about weather, anime, movies? complaints, yeah. and movies. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
All right, I think that's going to do it for us today. It's getting late, and we want to turn this one around. So thank you for listening. Uh, as always, thank you to Bowen Flooding to use his track, Miss You, off the EV Pale Machine. You can find out more info about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. You can follow everything we do at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice, waypoint.vice.com. You can join, join the hashtag, join the conversation at discourse.zone. Shout out to all of our mods who did an incredible job over the, the holiday break. Uh, as we stumbled our way into some some discourse. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Danielle? At Danielle R.I. on Twitter. Patrick. Find me at Patrick Hoppick. And how about you, Rob? At Rob Zachney. Awesome. That's going to do it for us today. Danielle, what do we say to him? Be good and be good at it. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.